bonus episode, a breaking news, an emergency podcast, however you want to frame it, the Marlins have traded potentially for their starting catcher in 2024. Will he be starting? What does it mean for Nick Fortes? Will Nick Fortes remain with the organization? Are the Marlins done at catcher? Tons to get into. This is Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. Again, this is your Daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, of course, hit subscribe. It's your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first or second listen of the day. There is a YouTube channel as well, guys. Hit subscribe over there too. That is also called Locked On Marlins. And I am delighted to welcome back Kind of back, but definitely back for episode two this week. The UK GOAT, Sean Barrett. Sean, welcome back, brother. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, Pete. Nothing better than two pods in a day. Um, you know it. Bang, bang, you know banging them out, mate. You, you know it. Um, for those listening in and thinking, Pete sounds kind of hyper, um, I just want to call out that I've been taking these quite strong pills, I would say, for this cold. And I've had a Brewdog Punk IPA during episode one. And it, I feel like it's starting to kick in quite significantly. And I've still got half left. So <laughs> take that as you will. Nevertheless, guys, um, I hope you enjoyed the previous discussion. If you're, if you're on YouTube, you, you've got the, the rundown to help you. We talked a lot about Otani. We talked a lot about Juan Soto. The big news in baseball. We talked about journalism too, which had to be called out. Some of those guys came off more like fans with podcasts, in my opinion. Nevertheless, it's time to talk about the big trade that dropped. And uh, we're going to dig into that. Not only the trade, but equally the collateral damage, perhaps, in terms of Nick Fortes and uh, what it could mean at the catcher spot in general. Um, so let's kind of start with the trade itself. The Marlins have acquired Christian Bethancourt, Esquire the second, potentially. I don't know. That's not the full title, but it should be. Um, definitely sounds like a Downton Abbey character. And they have acquired him from the Cleveland Guardians. No players went to the Cleveland Guardians. Just cash considerations. Cold, hard cash from the Marlins. Bethancourt was uh, claimed on waivers relatively recently uh, from the Rays. And so, surprise, surprise, Peter Bendix has swung a trade, having sent no players to the other organization for a former Ray. Surprise, surprise on that one. The interesting part here for me, this is what stands out, and there's a few things that stand out, but when you look at the contract situation, and we'll start here, Sean, uh, he's in arbitration at this point. He's in ARB2, approaching ARB2. It's not yet settled, but the estimated value is over $2 million dollars. That really stands out to me. When you see this deal drop in, Sean, this to me is saying that Christian Bethencourt, this isn't just a depth piece, uh, two million plus. This guy is going to be on the roster. And the question is going to be how much playing time does he get? So will Christian Bethencourt 
be the starting catcher for the Marlins in 24? It's really interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, it kind of looks like it, doesn't it? I mean, we just talked yesterday about a $700 million contract, and here we are yeah. talking about a two-year arbitration. Um, <laughs> that sounds sizable, but that's, that's yeah. the Marlins fan. It is, um, baby. Yeah, the Marlins aren't going to aren't going to pay two million for a catcher and then not play him. He's gonna he's gonna be if it's fifty fifty, you you can't play. Well, not many catchers can play the bulk of a season. It's usually a, t- a tandem, so he's going to be part of a catching tandem. And I don't see the Marlins going out there and, and picking up one of the the top fruit. Not that there are many, um, yeah. or that they're very good anyway. But there are a few. Interesting free agent catchers out there that you you thought the Marlins might take a nibble at, but obviously they, mm. I don't see that happening now. Um, I think they'll just bring in a, a, a catcher that's going to be on a minor league deal with a, a major league contract attached to it, maybe if they make the yep. roster, um, and it will be three guys fighting for two roles. And if Fortes loses out, then he'll go down and into AAA, and if the, the free agent that they sign doesn't do the job in spring, then he'll he'll be released, um, or if he accepts a minor league uh, option. So, yeah, I think, in, in a way, Betancourt is basically the de facto catcher being kept on the roster um, going yeah. into the season, and they'll have every opportunity to, to play the bulk of the, the time, if not 40% of the time. Yeah, I think that's going to be the situation, right? Where Bethcourt's going to be... I mean, let's look back at his body of work here with the Rays. I think that's always like a good indicator. And you think, you know, what what did he put up last year? He he played in 104 games last year for the Rays. 332 plate appearances. So, you know, a good body of work there. That's the most, I think, that he's he's had in his career thus far, just about. So, you know, it was his most... The most... Playing time he received, uh, he was DFA'd by the Rays for whatever reason. Um, probably roster issues, as they always seem to have, because they've got too much talent. The Guardians pick him up, and thus the Guardians go and sign, I think, Austin Hedges instead. So that's the the kind of trickle down here, is Austin Hedges then signed for like $4 million. Um, So Bethencourt, all of a sudden, well, he's too expensive as a backup. Let's move him on. The Marlins, I don't know what they send in terms of cash, but let's assume it's like a relatively low sum, which it probably will be. Like the Guardians is probably just happy just to move um, the money at this point. Like the money says to me that Bethencourt will probably expect he's going to have a similar role to what he had at the Rays of like 100 games, I would say. And so I, I think at this point, he's likely to be the starter um, and get maybe 60%. You know, he's going to get the the... Jacob Stallings 2022 body of work, maybe. I think that's maybe what we'll see with this guy. With that being said, Sean, what value? I mean, we've mentioned Stallings. He regressed in every facet of his game. So, with that, thinking about Bethancourt, what's the value proposition here? What are we what are we getting from him that we didn't get from Stallings? And I mean, we should be able to list off a ton of things, but I fear. The list may not be that long, which I think is interesting as well. But primar- primarily, like, what's the main benefit? What's the main value he's going to bring to this roster? Well, you said a couple 
one of the podcasts we did recently, prepared to be underwhelmed with what the Marlins do at catcher. I did say um, I think prepare to be underwhelmed should be like the welcome banner to any new Marlins <laughs> fan. Um, like, it's it's difficult because when you're talking about a catcher that's been DFA'd and had to go to Korea to play some baseball, like, we know that the numbers aren't going to be great. And there, was, <clears throat> there was one number and only one number, unfortunately, that, that he is good at, and that is controlling the running game. Which okay. with the new rules, with the way that running run ran rampant last year, yeah. it's a, it's a valuable skill to have. And I think when you're, we spoke before about when you're Marlin or the the Rays way of baseball is finding those talents, those skills that are maybe undervalued. So maybe that's what they're looking at. They're looking at this one tool will actually help us out in, in many ways. Um, but, you know, there's there's a bit of pop there as well. Um, yeah. His actual numbers, in, if, if you look at his baseball savant numbers, they're all pretty blue and, and uh, disappointing. Uh-oh. But if you look back at 2022, there's, there's a little bit more in the sort of exit uh, velocity, barrel, slugging, hard hit. So, He's got a bit of power to him, which is valuable for the Marlins because they play in mm. a cavernous park. So maybe if he can rekindle those numbers, he actually had a 100 WRC plus in 2022 as well. So when you're talking about league average hitting from a catcher, you're talking about an above average hitting catcher. Um, because catching is probably closer to 85 for average. Yeah. Um, so I think that there, there was enough talent and enough tools there for the Marlins to find um, some value. Um, I think he'll almost certainly recoup the the financial value that they, they've paid, well, going to be paying him. And yeah. I think you're right as far as the cash considerations. It might be one of those situations where it's literally a dollar to make a, an actual transaction. Like yeah. when we used to see base, uh, football teams back in the 90s be sold for yeah. a pound because you're taking <laughs> on so much debt. Um, that's kind of what this trade is. We'll give yeah. you a dollar and we'll take on this this two million that you don't really want to have to pay. Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? It feels like, like you know, when we saw the deal was happening and a lot of people thinking, okay, he's just been claimed off waivers. Um, you know, the Guardians haven't got a ton of attachment to him. They've just signed someone else. Like, surely they can't be sending much the other way. And then you see cash and you think, well, it is the Marlins. So this probably, like, higher, lower than $2. I'd, I'd be hitting the... I'd be hitting the under, I think, on the uh, on 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 the two dollar or one and a half dollar uh, number. But yeah, I, I think the funny thing, you know, I mean, what you've called out is is what stands out. It's what we've all focused on with Bethancourt. Really, is he has one skill. He is a one tool dude. Granted, he hit more home runs, I think, combined than Nick Fortes and Jacob Stallings last year. And so, actually, there's maybe some offensive upgrade too, but the skill you call out is controlling the running game. And I must say, it was dire last season. So I am all for the Marlins seeing a clear deficiency in their defensive game and addressing it specifically with a guy that is top five in Major League Baseball at this position um, at that role. So I'm all for that. On the face of it, I think, They've got miles better at that aspect. Granted, 
The other catching skills, which Nick Fortes is highly uh, efficient in, in particularly blocking that element, less so maybe framing, but like some of the other catching elements defensively, like Nick Fortes has really improved that, which has been great to see. If you could merge these two actually as a defensive pair, they'd be it'd be an absolutely stunning defensive catcher. And there's like a bit of pop in Bethancourt. And for me, there's some untapped potential in Nick Fortes. I still believe there's some untapped offensive potential. So we're going to dig into that because for me, I'm really interested to see, particularly off the back of Peter Bendix out there saying, we're going to sign multiple catchers, multiple guys. They've signed Bethancourt and they're going to pay him over $2 million. That says to me he's on the roster. What's this mean for Nick Fortes? What, what untapped potential is there with Nick Fortes? Tons to get into. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Yes, sir. And you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app, well, it is super easy to use, and it has all of the betting options you need, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, you're here with me, Peter Pratt, and the UK GOAT Sean Barrett on Tuesday's episode. Uh, of Locked On Marlins. We are carrying on the conversation. The Marlins have traded for a catcher. Christian Bethencourt acquired for a small sum, we believe, a small financial sum from the Cleveland Guardians. The expectation is that he will be paid over $2 million by the Marlins in 2024. And thus, we are making the connection and the assumption he will have a ton of playing time. The question now, Sean, is what happens with Nick Fortes? And what are you seeing with Fortes? I, I, from my assessment, it was the defense improved significantly where he was a better defensive catcher than Jacob Stallings in 23. The offense, however, after a hot start in like 2021 and a bit of 22, like 2023, the numbers were seriously underwhelming from Nick Fortes. And so like the defense went up, the offense went down. Is there... Is there a big league catcher in Nick Fortes, in your opinion? I, th- I think there is simply because of that defense growth that he showed last yeah. year. Like, there are certain value metrics for defense that have him top 15 in, in the league. Um, mm. And you're right, it's, it's, the, it's a yin and yang situation between him yeah. and Bethancourt. His his framing is, is, is very good, Fortes, that is. Um, and, it's, and it's pop time is really bad so it would would be really interesting to get those two into a room together and have the slightly younger because Fortes is now no longer young 27 Mm. for a major league catcher is still pretty young to be fair and pretty raw because it takes time to develop but yeah any any little sort of motions tips or anything like that that he can use to improve his pop time control that running game a little bit better um, is only going to grow him. But you're absolutely right. It's the offense that really fell apart last year. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to keep a player on the roster, isn't it? The defense is what saved him and the fact that the Marlins lacked anything in, in competition for that. So 
I yeah. think yeah, it is a case that we're going to go into into spring with three, maybe four catchers that genuinely are coming in to fight for a position on the roster, not just depth field, because obviously you, you bring several catchers into a spring training um, simply just to catch bullpens. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be three or four catchers, I think, that come in looking for a job. And Fortes is is kind of at a, a default position of being a bit lower because he has options. They can just yeah. send him to AAA and keep him there and develop him there. But no, I think realistically the defense probably gives them a good chance. It's just that the, the hitting needs to improve, um, yeah. and we'll and we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah, it's a really good point, Nick Fortes. Two minor league option seasons remain, so like they have the versatility and the flexibility with Nick Fortes. The question I think that we, as a collective, not just me and you on this podcast, Sean, but like the people listening in, like Marlins fans at this point, the question we have to be asked ourselves is like what do we want from this role and what can we legitimately expect from this spot and i personally think based on the current situation and it's hard because we had jt riamuto for a number of years and we saw what what really good looks like up close and personal the best catcher in baseball in many ways so we were spoiled with that and I think it's important to just recalibrate on that and understand what we're working with. And really, for me, the priority remains with this catching spot is just defense. And I would say modern defense. And I think that's where they've gone. I think that's where Peter Bendix has gone with this. Is like, with these rule changes, you have to be able to control the running game. Because if you can't, these teams are going to run all over and there's going to be nothing you can do to stop it. And I think, you know, that's been a clear deficiency and they've gone out and they've addressed it. And I think, to be honest, they've addressed it in such a low-cost way. I think they should be applauded for that. I think this is a really low-key, sneaky good move. And I know he's not going to fix up the, you know, the stats with his offense. But again... All the ca- all the guys out there, no matter who they sign, who they traded for, all of them, you'd look at and go, the offense ain't going to be great. Like, that was just going to be the situation. Prepare to be underwhelmed. But I really like what they've done here. Like, I, I, it's, it's tough to get really excited about a one-tool dude, Sean, that you've called out. But I'm kind of excited because of how frustrated I remember being in 2023 watching the Marlins, just their inability to stop anything from second, from first base to second base over and over and over again. And for me, this feels like a win. It feels like a win. I also feel like, to your point, the combination, the fusion in the catcher's room of Bethancourt and Fortes and whoever else they bring in, and there's going to be a few others that, you know, that are going to fight for jobs and probably end up at AAA, in my opinion, I think they will end up with Bethancourt and Fortes as a starting two. But if they can get Fortes to up his game even more defensively, he's then an ultra-cost-controlled dude that has some upside offensively. Like there's like Nick Fortes, there is a step up that could be made. Could be. It's all hypothetical, much like prospects. But I love the fact they brought in a guy It's proven it can help Fortes. Fortes can help him. And overall, the Marlins, I think, have got better with this move, Sean. And it's the ultra-low cost. 
This feels like such a raise move, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of those moves where, um, on the face of it, you, you don't get too excited. Like this was no. this was one of those moves that I sort of when I first looked at it, I was like, I couldn't. It, it didn't translate. I couldn't work out why they do that. Yeah. Um, but the, the more and more I thought about it, the more I looked through the stats. Like I think, yeah, it's sort of like one of those diamonds in the rough. I keep expectations low. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're not going to suddenly have a top five catcher on our hands. No. But when you're talking about value, when you're talking about trying to get, when you're trying to make the team better, like, and I think for for fans visually, it'll be a much better product as well. Because as you said, like, there's nothing worse than than watching guys get on base and then just run around the bases. I think it is a case of the team will look tighter, the, the games will look better, yeah. um, which ultimately, as, as fans, is, is kind of what you want. Um, and, yeah, you're looking at the stats, it's never going to be that warm and fuzzy, but actual game watching, game you know, strategy is, is going to be better. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously Bendix has, has grown up quite literally in the Rays organization. So mm. he'll, he'll know a thing or two about doing this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think this is uh, this is one of those moves that in six months' time he could look really, really good. Um, yeah, obviously, it's, it's one of, of many that's required because um, this, this alone isn't, isn't a move. This is not an Atani move that suddenly makes your team significantly better. But it's... No. It's a death, death by a thousand needles. Love it. I love that. Um, when So talk to me about Peter Bendix then anyway. When is he going to step out of his comfort zone here, Sean? Because right now all we've seen is Peter Bendix just working with what he knows and working with players that he knows, working with an organization that he knows in dealing. When is he going to step out of his comfort zone? And which organization is he going to drop a deal with? Like, if there's going to be a deal to be done that's Ana Reyes, Pablo Lopez type of deal that Kim Ang dropped, and I believe, like, you know, we lean, in, we lean into Craig Mish for obvious reasons. And, you know, you read between the lines with Craig, you know, he's kind of telling you what's going to happen. It's going to be like some low-key free agents, no big splashes, but there could be something via trade. And if there is to be something via trade, which organization do you think is going to be the one that Peter Bendix takes the training wheels fully off on? I think fully off, actually, I'd say he doesn't do it. I think he'll probably do it with a team from the AL East. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Uh, yeah, a group. this would be the, the next logical step as far as teams yeah. that he has scouted significantly. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we know the Yankees seemingly mm. are all in. They seemingly yeah. need pitching, and they've yeah. got some very good prospects. I think that could be uh, an opportunity there. I'm with you, mate. I thought ex exactly the same. Like, you, you know, the next best outside of the Rays, you kind of start to mushroom it, and you then think, okay, AL East then, um, what's going on? And frankly, I think the Yankees are interesting. I also think the Blue Jays are interesting too. And I, I really do. And I, I, to be honest with you, I'm really intrigued about Bo Bichette. I spent a bit of time looking at Bo Bichette a few days ago. You know, he doesn't quite have the length of control maybe you would, like, ideally want. But, like, 
there's there, there could be a similar deal with a Pablo Arias where you go and get Bobachet and you know what you're getting and you just plumb the dude in at shortstop and you go, great, let's roll. It just de-risks it. I saw Isaac Azut talking about a deal with the Yankees, thinking about Volpe. And I know where Isaac's going with that. And I could see maybe the Marlins doing that. Like, it wouldn't be a Kim Ang deal. I'm interested to see, is that a Peter Bendix deal? Because Kim Ang was more about the now. And that's what I loved about the Reyes deal. It, it was fully de-risked. There was no risk in that for the Marlins. You knew who Luis Arias was. If the Marlins go and trade for Anthony Volpe, you many people will turn to that and say, well, he has the potential to. He could be. There's so much of that in there. Right now, Anthony Volpe's hit a ton of bombs in his rookie year. He didn't really hit great. His defense was like patchy, like... Big prospect name that could be great. It's got multiple years of control. Kind of fits the brief. There's risk in that. There is risk in that, particularly if you have to move someone of serious note, which you will do. Maybe multiple guys of note. And so I am really intrigued to see when Peter Bendix takes off the training wheels, when it is not a raise connected deal where he's like, let's go. The interesting part, Sean, is do we think that happens this offseason. I feel like you feel like it maybe isn't this offseason that Peter Bendix goes like with one of those all-in types of deals, maybe. Yeah, I think with the way the season, um, this upcoming season is panning out with no Sandy and and question marks on whether, like, will they be competitive? I hope they are. I think that there's there's some bounces of the ball that they're going to require to, to be, do so. But if you look at this year is a quasi-lost year, a rebuild year, a growth year. Um, yeah, I think it would be challenging to, to make that sort of move. I would prefer Bendix to spend a year with the organisation, really get a, a firm understanding of who the team are, what's, what's in the organisation yeah. before making a move like that. Um, I think Bouchette is challenging with the, with the, the length of control. It like is. You're literally this, this, that, that kind of move, that kind of all-in move. Because um, in my mind, that's what it would be. You're looking at 2024, maybe competing. 2020 with, with that kind of move. 2025, this is the final year of that contract, paying them 17 yep. million. You've got a Arias who is, are they going to extend or not? Sandy's money gets more and more. This would this would be a pure shot at 2025 playoffs. Which, don't get me wrong, would be hell of a Let's exciting go. Uh, prospect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think more realistically would be a, a sort of Volpe deal where they know that they're stretching out that that competitive window. Um, but yeah, all, all in baseball is always, of course, super fun. Yeah, absolutely. And this is it. We, we've kind of become we've come used to Kim Ang's mo, and Kim Ang when she was in and buying. She bought well. I have to say, like the, the from a trade perspective, her the trades for the win now. I, I don't think you can knock any of them, frankly. And I'm just so intrigued to see the way things shift with Peter Bendix. And they do have to shift because the reason it's shifting as we go back to it is it isn't all about just the major league roster. Like there's no depth, there's no farm, and so things kind of have to change. And we know that, and so kind of takes you away maybe from 
an all-in deal for Boba Shett and two years of control, of quite expensive control in many ways um, for the Marlins. But I do, you know, I'm with you though, Sean, that like the AL East is definitely the division to watch, I would say, from a Marlins trade perspective. It's a hyper-competitive division too. We obviously saw the Blue Jays. We assumed the Blue Jays were like heavily in on Otani. Um, it wasn't just all fake news. And so like the Blue Jays have got money to spend. They've got some extensions maybe to make. The Rays are still obviously super competitive there. The Yankees are all, uh, you know, an all-in situation. The Orioles are looking sexy, but, you know, really cost-controlled. So, you know, one hell of a division there, I must say. So we'll wait to see. Um, I think in summary, though, sneaky... Sneaky good deal, this Bethancourt deal for the Marlins specifically and what they're trying to do. They've addressed a clear deficiency, which was throwing runners out at second. It was just so turgid. Um, so we'll see. But for me, with the money and the two years of control with Bethancourt, you'll get at least 50% of the time. And I think actually his presence will help Fortes. And Fortes ideally takes another step up in his game um, looking forward. We're going to call it a day. I appreciate the UK goat Sean Barrett for hopping on on a double header, a Monday double header, but this will be kind of released almost on Tuesday. So uh, a kind of bang, bang situation from the UK goat Sean Barrett. I appreciate everyone for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen or second listen. I hope you've taken both episodes in. Just a reminder, if you've listened to this one and you didn't listen to yesterday's one, we mainly got into Shohei Otani and all of the um, journalistic elements associated with that and what it means for the Dodgers. Equally, Juan Soto to the Yankees and a bit of Giancarlo Stanton sprinkled in there. We'll look forward to seeing you through the week. I am back on full rotation now. I am back to 85%, maybe even touching 90% health. I look forward to seeing you guys real, real soon.